The Bazaar is an explicit radio program. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome! Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 28 of The Bazaar. I have with me today Matt Hayward. He's an Irish author. He's also a musician back in his formative days. Very interesting guest. But this is the last episode before Christmas. So I'm going to have to wish all my lovely listeners a very Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Hanukkah. Whichever you celebrate. Happy Holidays for this time of year. Now Matt, he's keeps his cards close to his chest. There's a lot we couldn't talk about. There was a lot he wouldn't talk about. He has toured with the likes of Chad Channing of Nirvana fame in his youth, but he didn't go into too much details there either. I tried to squeeze it out of him, but what I did get out is very interesting. He has a new collection now out, Brain Dead Blues, which all the links will be in the show notes. But besides that, I just hope you enjoy the show. Again, very Merry Christmas to everyone, and I will see you at the end. Here's Matt. Hello everybody and welcome back to The Bazaar. This is a very special anniversary episode and tonight's guest I have with me a fellow Irishman, Matt Hayward. Matt, welcome to the show. How's it going, Rich? How are you on this fine, dark and cold evening? I'm doing good, just getting some writing done and I'll have some dinner after this. Excellent stuff. So Matt, for those in the audience who might know who you are, would you like to give a little bit of background about what you're all about? Yeah, sure. Um, I put out my first collection earlier this year and followed it up with a novel. And um, just this month, I put out a comic with the band The Walking Papers. And then next year, I have a collaboration with Pat Glazy coming out. Um, there's another collaboration with author Brian Smith in the works, and I have a second novel coming out um, next summer as well. Excellent. So when did you actually start? What came first, the music or the writing? Music came first. Uh, we toured a good bit um, for about, well, I toured myself for about a decade. Uh, with my last band, about four years, we ended up doing an album with... Um, Chad Channing from Nirvana we had on it and we toured Ireland I, I toured the States with Chad before with a band called Malfunction yeah we called it quits after the album so I switched to writing full time about two years ago I'd say very good and was that for personal reasons was there infighting we need a little bit of gossip here today <laughs> <laughs> I won't give any gossip but um, no I just I it started out as another outlet to jolt um, some lyric ideas but then I found out I just really enjoyed prose, and then I ended up studying on writing books, and um, I sold my first collection about a, a year into it, so I just stuck with it. Excellent. And how has reception been so far with regards to writing? It's obviously been good enough to keep you writing. Yeah, it's been going great. The novel uh, response was more than I ever expected, so yeah, I just sold the second novel, so I'm delighted. Excellent stuff. And you've recently released... Brain Dead Blues, which you have ever so graciously given to me, and 
I'm ashamed to admit on air I haven't got around to it yet. Would, would you like to? <laughs> would you like to give a little bit of background about what that might be about for people that might be willing to pick it up? Yeah, that's that's the collection. That's the first collection that came out on Sinister Grim Press in May, the start of May, and it's about 13, 14 stories. Uh, there's two novellas in there. Most of them are to do with music in a way. I tried to get a good selection to show a nice range of styles. So there's some comedic stuff, there's some serious stuff. Um, yeah, it's a good plethora of what I'm capable of, I think, anyway. Right, and what has been the biggest criticism so far the last couple of months? Um, what was the biggest criticism? Let me think. Not enough stories set in Ireland, which is something I definitely want to change with the next collection. Excellent. And would you have any little hints about where they might be based? Um, yeah, well, in that collection, there's two of them set in Wicklow. I have wanted to do something... I won't give too much away, but the, I have had the idea to do something with a banshee in a rock band in Dublin. Excellent. Would that be called like the Wailing Banshee or something similar, <laughs> something cheesy and cliche? I do like the cheesy cliche stuff. And yeah, I always tried to go for that almost um, B-rate horror feel like Evil Dead or something mixed with a bit of George Carlin style social commentary. Excellent. And why did you decide to go down the route of horror in the first place? Why didn't you go with sort of rom-coms or travel guides? I've always been a fan of horror. How far back would that go? Where where did it all begin? When did your mind um, get corrupted? I think it was actually with Goosebumps when I was a kid. <laughs> but the first um, first novel I remember reading was um, Pet Cemetery by Stephen King when I was about 13, 14. I found it on my sister's shelf and I read it like cover to cover in the same night. Lovely. I haven't read Pet Cemetery. Where would you... Besides Pet Cemetery, where would you have started picking up different emphases? Would it just be true books or would it be through different media in terms of TV, movies? Did you watch um, the Goosebumps TV show? Oh, Having yeah. The books yeah, also? that was one of the big ones. But uh, no, one of the biggest ones that came to me was uh, a lot of that 80s B-rate scene, like, uh, as I said, like Evil Dead or Peter Jackson's movies, especially like Brain Dead stuff like that. I always like the over-the-topness of all that. <clears throat> Seeing what a good director could do with such a small budget so that influenced me a lot in terms of the visual aspect of it trying to go for something that was very striking visually and trying to keep it simple um but then the character development stuff like that the more psychological aspects um funnily enough came from comedians people like bill hicks george carlin i always liked their social commentary like doug stanhope folks like that yeah yeah and so i tried to yeah so i tried my best to sort of mash the two and try to create some some good satire stuffed into a slab of gore that'd be the best way i could describe it right so how long did it take to put pen to paper were you writing lyrics before you were writing short stories or how did you start the writing well yeah lyrics came first i was signed in my first record label when i was 15 i think to a seattle-based label and that's how i ended up meeting chad and everyone so I've been writing lyrics since then, but I switched to prose when I found an author called J.F. Gonzalez, and I would have that would have been about five years ago, I'd say. But I wasn't writing seriously back then. I was just sort of dabbling to to get some lyric ideas. So I was trying a different outlet. 
And uh, discovering, yeah, discovering J.F. Gonzalez and then through him, I found other authors like Brian Keane and stuff who today, luckily, I get to call my friend and who sort of mentored me. And um, yeah, I found a book by J.F. Gonzalez called Clickers, which was uh, Stephen King, I suppose I could call a bit more literary. And then J.F. Gonzalez would have been a bit more um, pulp. And it was the equivalent to discovering rock music when you're a kid. You know, you just you want to pick up a guitar and you want to do it when you first hear Nirvana. That's what it was like finding J.F. Gonzalez because it was um, sort of pulpy and over the top. It was still well written, but um, all the fat had been cut off and it was just lean and to the point. And is that so when sort I found... of what you gravitated to? So in the end, is that yeah, more or less yeah. what you're saying your style would be in a sense? Yeah, definitely. So discovering J.F. Gonzalez, and in particular, it was a book called Clickers that I found. After I found Clickers, I studied some on-writing books, and I would take notes every night. I'd come home from work, and I'd start just jotting down notes on in-writing books and then putting down a 1,000 words a day, and I just stuck with that. And then um, two months ago, I uh, J.F. Gonzalez passed away about, about a year ago now. And they put out a tribute anthology called Clickers Forever, which is all stories set within J.F. Gonzalez' Clickers universe. And I was lucky to be a part of it. So, um, yeah, this year I actually wrote for Clickers myself. Excellent stuff. That's a great uh, turnaround full circle there. Yeah, that was a bit bizarre, unexpected. So how long was your contribution? Was it a few paragraphs? Was it a full story? No, I wrote a full story. It was um, the, the Clickers are sort of these uh, creatures that are like crabs mixed with lobsters mixed with scorpions it's very b-rate you know as i said <laughs> so um i wrote a story about them being in the the clickers causeway sorry the giants causeway i called the story clickers causeway originally uh set in the giants causeway up in antrim so it's a clicker story set in ireland lovely and it, was that something that was hassling around your mind when you were first reading clickers or did you have to come up with it sort of in a tighter time frame um well brian brian Keane, who i was talking about was jf gonzalez's best friend so he put up a a closed call meaning that uh he was sort of sending out feelers to authors he knew to send in stories and i saw it on facebook and brian didn't know i was writing he only knew me as a musician so when i saw the open call go up it was about 11 o'clock at night, and I said, I have to submit something. So by 12, I was jotting down ideas. Uh, I came up with the full idea by about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had it written by half 4. I had my fiancé read over it, uh, made some adjustments, and then I had it sent by 6 o'clock in the morning, and by 9 o'clock in the morning, I had a letter saying that it was accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal. That's a roller coaster ride there. Yeah, so I, ju I just stayed up all night writing and reworking it for about, yeah, I'd say seven solid hours. I must try and have a look at that now as well, on top of everything else I have to do in my life. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll add it to the ever-extending list. Yeah, so the um, the pre-orders for the, the hardback edition is coming out through Thunderstorm Books, who do great, fantastic limited edition hardcovers. Um, they, the pre-orders just sold out, so that's coming out in around January, February, and then it's coming out in general paperback through Deadite Press in February. Oh, excellent. And you were mentioning there you were getting involved in a Seattle-based records company. Were you living in the States for a while there, or how did you get involved with that? 
Uh, I was popping back and forward. I'd say I go over maybe twice a year. At the moment, it's only once a year for the conventions. But at the time, I was going over quite a lot. I was playing in a band over there called Malfunction, who had the nickname the uh, the Godfathers of Grunge. Um, I played the Mike Starvels and James Memorial Show. Did a couple of shows with Chad with them, and yeah, and then I was playing in my own band back here as well. Excellent. So, what is the connection? Do you have a parent or something involved, or how did you end up over again connected in the states? Um, because I was on a record label over there, I'd sent out some demos online and uh, got signed. Yeah, when I was fifteen <laughs> to a label called Decma Records. Right. So. You got signed when you were 15. How long have you been playing music? Um, Since I was about 12, I'd say. Right, so that was kind of a quick turnaround to get on a yeah. record. How, <laughs> how did you manage that? Some talent. I don't know. I was just doing it every day. That's what I stuck with. I wasn't really going to school at the time. <laughs> I was just sort of touring around. Right, because I'm trying to place you age-wise here. Were you, were you sending demos over MySpace or Facebook or what? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one, MySpace. MySpace. Yeah, geez, I I think I miss my space. I'm not going to ask you how old you are. We'll keep it a mystery like many other things. <laughs> and Matt, in our lovely Emerald Isle, you were involved this year up in Dublin with the, I'm not too sure, was it the second annual one? It was definitely the second one I saw, but the Horror Expo was actually in the Freemasons um, Grand Hall, if I have that right. How did you get involved in such a thing as that? That sounds quite good. Yeah, my, my friend Rachel was a guest last year. She's a comic book creator who did um Judas Priest comic for Dark Horse earlier, and she put out her first prose novel called Husk the year before. So she was a guest at the first one. The first one was uh, two last year. So I went along, met the organizer, and um, after putting out a couple of things, I got invited as a guest this year. So I had a table. I was selling the collection and the novel, and then I got to do a reading um, just before Ramsey Campbell, which is like opening up for Queen if you're a musician. <laughs> Unbelievable. And how was it busy? I I can't believe I missed it. It was right under my nose. It was. It was very good. They had um they had a like a indie cinema on there. Uh, the only problem was they were also competing with the IFC Horrorthon. So oh, I, I know see. a lot of people went to that. So it was kind of people were kind of going back. Mm. yeah you see i had actually booked uh the remastered screening of john carpenter's halloween for that night which i was looking forward to for weeks yeah. and weeks and i was like oh no and it was only on for one night and i couldn't reschedule it was a bit unfortunate yeah but... yeah were you at the john carpenter gig i missed year? i missed that as well where was that on was did it actually that make was it on... over here yeah it was on in vicar street it was very good he had um I think it's his son plays guitar in the band. He plays keyboards, obviously, and he has a full band with him. And then he has a projector up behind him showing clips of the movie of the theme that they're playing. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it was really good. That is cool. Yeah, no, I missed him because I could have seen him over in Manchester. And I was actually in New York last week and he was just playing over in Philadelphia. And I, I know two guys over in Philly and they were like, come on, you need to go. And I was like, guys, I can't. It's like John Carpenter yeah. keeps just passing me by. <laughs> 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 but it is really cool so you were also saying you have a bit of a book club up in Dublin do you want to tell us about that I'm sure there's one or two Dublin listeners here who might want to come along yeah we've been running it for three years now me and my sister um, it started when we found uh, an author called Richard Lehman who 
is from the States, but he made it big in the UK. And uh, we, we'd been reading Richard Lehman for a number of years, but it didn't seem like anyone else knew him. So uh, we came up with the idea to make um, a horror book club for Ireland, meet up once a month. Um, every month we pick a book for that month, then we meet up and discuss it. We tried to do short stories as well as a novel, but then nobody was reading anything, so it got messy. <laughs> but we've been running it for three years now. And um, yeah, we, it happens in the Longstone pub, usually second Wednesday of every month. Um, this month we have a secret Santa because it's Christmas uh, anniversary uh, party every year. And we usually do uh, Skype Q&As with authors we read. Oh, nice. No, that sounds like great yeah. fun. I definitely have to make it at some stage. It would be a shame not to. <laughs> are you actually based in Dublin yourself or are you, you still down in Wicklow? Do you travel up? No, I'm the, yeah, I'm down in Wicklow, so I go up every month for it. Oh, excellent, yeah. Well, I suppose Wicklow and Dublin and everywhere is very well connected these days. It's two hours, Cork, Dublin. I know this is all gobbledygook for American listeners, <laughs> but it, it's, a, it's a nice little small country, guys. You need to all come over here. Yeah, yeah. So then I was just looking at your little bio earlier, as all good hosts do, do their homework. You released sort of three EPs with the band Lace Weeper. Is that your own band, or who's involved with that? Yeah, that was the the band I was talking about. We did we did three EPs, and then we did an album, which is sort of a collection of the the best songs from those three EPs made it onto the album. Right, and wh- where were they released? Where can people get smatterings of them? Um, the album was put out on a French record label called MNO Music, and it's called. Uh, as the crow flies i almost forgot the title for a second <laughs> yeah it's called as the crow flies that was the album nice and is there a reason why you decided to go with record labels in the digital age yeah it was mainly because they were the only record label we could find who had a pr department so they had um, a budget set aside for marketing right so you didn't have to sell your soul for that or what kind of contract no. did you have Exactly. We had a 360 deal with them, which is, the, I know, the death of the music industry. <laughs> but, uh... For those in the audience that might know what a 360 deal is, that's where they get you for your touring, merchandise, everything. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And how, do, how did that work out for you? Did you get a t-shirt in the end, at least? Um, I don't want to go too public with it, but uh, I, just me and the, the label head don't like each other anymore. I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> There seems to be a pattern here, Matt. What's happening? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Is that why you decided to go solo? Who did you, who did you spin out with? Like, how? What record label did you get for that, or did you just start distributing online yourself? Uh, which for the um, the solo EP? Yeah, for the solo EP. Oh, that was just a little thing I did myself. But the artwork for that was done by Alan M. Clark, who had done a lot of covers for Brian Keane and J.F. Gonzalez and other horror people. And um, we became good friends, and he sort of mentored me with writing as well, but he's primarily a, an artist, so he donated that cover to me, which I, I love. That's but yeah, nice. that that was just a little side thing that I popped out, just to keep one foot in music while I was writing. Very good. And do you think you're ever going to go back to the music, or is it just writing for now anyway? Um, I'm tracking an album at the moment because I'm a fucking sadist with a guy from... Uh, no, I can't say actually. <laughs> I can't say anything public yet, but um, we're we're tracking an album. The music's done. The vocals are about fifty percent done. 
So at the beginning of next year, I will be putting out a, an album. Excellent. And is it guitar you play or do you sing or do you do both? I used to sing um, mainly backing vocals now. That's about it. Only backing and vocals. Are you, are you guitar. too shy to be out in front? I just didn't enjoy it. Uh, no? I don't know. I think, uh, I, think there's a, I mean, I, I enjoy um, singing by myself or recording or stuff like that, but being a frontman, I think, requires a different skill set, and it's something I think a lot of sort of unsigned bands are missing when they get on stage. You know, you, your frontman needs a good stage presence and a character, almost. Right. And are you trying to say, self-deprecating, that you're not a character? So yeah, but, but <laughs> I prefer to slink into the background and just strum a guitar. I'm much happier. <laughs> Excellent. And seeing as you started quite young, did you have any formal music training or was it just a case of picking up the guitar and learning the hard way? Yeah, it was um, my friend Henry had a cassette recorder, a four track onto, you know, like um, you put a cassette in, you've got four channels. Yep. and But then you could bounce all that to one channel and use the other three channels so you have a total of seven but uh, each time you bounce it the quality would degrade so you had to kind of balance that so I was about 12 when he was recording that in his living room and he was a huge pothead so the room would always be full of smoke at 12 and, yeah where were you living <laughs> well he wasn't 12 he was about 16 I was about 12 Right. He's a brother of my friends, so he'd be recording, and I'd come in, and he'd just throw me the bass and go, "Yeah, pop a bass line on that." And I go, that, that, "I don't even know how to hold this." So he would just show me, and then force me to record. So that's how I kind of cut my teeth was just doing that every day, and then it became a point where we were skipping school to go to his house to record every day. <laughs> that's yeah, I just cut my teeth like that. So that's the story. So so when you initially picked up the guitar did you enjoy it straight away or was it kind of a grueling process sort of Stockholm syndrome in that uh, hot box no I loved it uh, straight away I was trying to come up with my own melodies and stuff like that and yeah I stuck with it so can you remember what maybe the first band name that you came up with was oh Jesus um, Honeycomb Honeycomb yeah is that C-O-M-E I hope <laughs> <laughs> C-O-M-B. Yeah, <laughs> oh, comb. Comb. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, my <laughs> mind was going uh, dirty places there. <laughs> so where where does the name Lay Sweeper get its origins? Or is that sound of cool? Um, that was a matter of trying to keep the Google results clean. And so it didn't clash with anything else. Right. And it's it actually stemmed from in a lot of Stephen King books. There's a character called Ace Mural. And I, I originally wanted to call the band Ace Mural, but it had been taken by a punk band. So I had come up with a few words that I liked, and that one sounded the closest to Ace Mural in sort of uh, the caricature of how it's pronounced and stuff. So I, I don't know. It was Yeah, it was just a matter of keeping the, the results clean. So when you search it on Google, stuff like that, nothing else will come up. All right. And if you were to describe to the audience a sort of genre of music you play what would it be um usually 90s based rock with a hint of blues and is that of course as you said brain dead blues having an influence there yeah definitely do you ever tiptoe sort of back and forth throwing in lyrics into your work or anything like that is there any characters singing songs 
there is. The, 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 the title story is called God is in the Radio, and that involves a musician writing a song called Brain Dead Blues, which has some unfortunate effects when it's played on the radio. So, Well, yeah, I, I, I should know all about that at this stage, but uh, we are recording <laughs> this in early June. <laughs> <laughs> I tell a lie, guys. This is November. I'm very bold. Very bold. <laughs> so yeah, I do. Um I also had the idea to there was one song on the album called Catch Twenty Two that I really liked. I found a way of translating it into a story and I like that idea. Um to kind of use the lyrics in a way um about somebody writing that song, which would be kind of a meta short story. But um I obviously can't use the name Catch-22 because it's the title of a very famous book. <laughs> Catch-23, you'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was never mentioned. So 22.2. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, it just reminds me when, um, I think it was Terry Gilliam, when he was making Brazil, wanted to call it 1985 or 1984 and a half or something like that. And mm. um, George Orwell's estate wouldn't let him do it, so he had to change the name. But they are very similar thematically yeah but just to go back to the music and the writing do you ever think you do sort of not like a rock opera but like a book opera that you'd have the story in a album of sorts that might accompany a written work do you think you'd ever consider something like that i i had considered the concept um I, we sort of pulled it off with the comic that I did with the walking papers. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things I'll talk about. There was with the the comic book. I'd known Jeff Angel, the lead singer, for a couple of years. Uh, he's in Seattle as well. So I was over there a couple of years ago, and we met up, and I was showing him a comic book I was working on called The Suicide King, which was a comic book I'd written and gotten uh, an illustrator called Seb Mester to do the the artwork for and it turns out that Jeff actually knew Seba even though Seba's from Hungary so this was a big coincidence that me and Seba were working together on a comic and Jeff living over in Seattle actually knew him because Seba was doing a lot of band artwork at the time so Jeff asked me if I was interested in doing like a comic book adaption of the walking paper single so we started working on that and um, we we sort of laid it out so when you're reading the comic book and listening to the single, the two will kind of synchronize, right. which is so, something we don't think has been done before. Okay. Well, I did um, kind of similar as well. Uh, I had a guest on, and he did the soundtrack to a comic book, but you're doing a comic book to a soundtrack. Is that right? Yeah, so he probably did it first then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a, it's a little bit of both. I mean, you think of these things, but then, you know, it's like the old South Park episode, Simpsons did it, Simpsons did it. Exactly. <laughs> you yeah. kind of think up of something and it's done. Sorry to crush your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> so you're kind but, of multi-talented there. You, ha- you have the comics going, you have the music well, going. That was, and the the, that was the first time I'd done a comic. Yeah, I just thought, uh, well, if I just try it and it works out, then nobody know that I'd never done one before. Right. So I just, I chanced it. Uh, but luckily it led to the thing with the walking papers because they're they're easily one of my favorite bands. And now that Duff McKagan has sort of stopped the Guns N' Roses tour, he's gone back to this band. So it's going to be on sale at their shows and it's available online as well. Excellent. And were you ever starstruck interacting with these people as a young lad? 
and getting involved in that sort of world. How did it feel getting delving into Seattle? You know, that's rich in music history. Mm. How did you find that? It was fun. When I was younger, I used to, but then after the first couple of times, you kind of, you know, you acclimatize to it. <laughs> and how long did that take? Did you ever feel, I suppose, in that arena, I don't know, is it some sort of segue here now into the current events that are happening in Hollywood and abroad? Do you ever see any of that sort of carry on in the midst of being starstruck? God, no, 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 no. None of that. Is the music no, scene a little bit better? Yeah, well, there's just a lot of, you know, stuff backstage, uh, drug, drink-wise, but beyond that, nothing. And who went over with you? Who's your guardian there? Were you partaking in all these things? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd rather I was, not say. <laughs> no, I was torn by myself when I was that age. I was working in a bike shop for a couple of years, living with the owner sort of upstairs I was still going to school at the time but uh, no I was very much uh, a vagrant <laughs> when I was a teenager right jeez you sound like you have an old colourful life there Matt <laughs> there's an autobiography there somewhere I'd say what I'll do you have think? someone else write it I wouldn't do it <laughs> no <laughs> you wouldn't want to relive the past would you <laughs> no I'm, I'm quite happy with it though I'm delighted with how things went no, I really it sounds out. quite good it sounds like a, an absolute adventure I must say listening to you now it has been, yeah. So what are the plans for next year then, again? So next year I have a um, collaboration with Patrick Lacey called Practitioners. Um, that's going to come out on Bloodshot Books um, in the summer. So I'll be at Scares of Care in Virginia uh, in July, and we'll be launching it at that event. Then there's a new novel called A Faithful coming out. I'm just waiting on the contract until I announce that formally with the publisher but I'll, the title is The Faithful so that should be coming out at Scares as well and I'll also have the other books with me there and maybe even a copy or two of the comic and then there's a collaboration with Brian Smith as I said whose first movie adaption just came out this year called 68 Kill so me and him are doing um, a book based on a rock band um, that pops up in his books now and again called The Bile Lords so I think the book is going to be called The Bile Lords and focus on the band as they sort of, from their beginnings until the modern day, with some supernatural elements in it. And going back to what we're talking about with um, sort of combining mediums, we actually kind of want to release a Bile Lords single with the book. So the, the band from the book, the fictitious band, uh, what they would actually sound like. And I have a couple of people lined up who are interested in being in the band so that's going to be interesting. That does sound really fun. And how will the book be written? Will it sort of be like a tour guide sort of thing? Or how will that be done out? No, just being standard um, fiction narrative. Brian's going to start writing it. I, th I think he might have already started. So I think the plan is he'll just send me a chapter. I'll edit it, throw in my ideas. Then I'll write a chapter, throw it back, and we'll just keep it going until we have it finished. Excellent. And how did you get involved with all these people in Ireland? Because I've been doing it now for maybe two or three years, and it's very hard to find people in Ireland, I find, but I'm not looking hard enough by the sounds of it. Well, no, Brian and Pat are both in the States as well. Pat's from Boston. I think Brian's living in Kentucky at the moment, or Tennessee. I just, um, I saved up, and I went over for Scares the Care, the first one. 
and I went over with the mission with the mission of selling a manuscript. So I went to the event by myself for the weekend. Sorry, no, my sister came with me for that one as well. So I went over and I just started introducing myself to publishers. And I learned from another Irish author called Keelan Patrick Burke, who lives in Ohio at the moment. He's doing very well. He won Bram Stoker Award and stuff. Oh, so he kind, of, he kind of prepped me on how to pitch. So I went over with the intention of selling a novel. And I wasn't leaving the place until I did. And luckily I did. Super. So which novel did that end up being? That was What the Monsters Fear. Ah, very good. Yeah. Excellent. Jesus. I'm learning loads today. (laughs) My goodness. So have you been up to anything decent this week now in prep for chatting with me? Are you playing it all cool? Um, I was just, actually, I was just trying to cram in some writing before we started. <laughs> I'm interrupting the flow, am I? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I just, I actually just finished up with about 20 minutes to spare, so I'm delighted. Oh, um, yeah, I'm finishing up a new coming-of-age novel called From Up Here that I'm going to send out this week as well. Super, excellent stuff. Well, Matt, I'd say we could nearly start wrapping up. Yeah, no problem. But Matt, thank you for coming on and chatting with me. I think we got a lot covered there today i think the listeners out there have will have learned a lot about the mysterious man that is matt hayward you keep your cards close to your chest matt i must say there's loads more i want to ask you that i can't (laughs) (laughs) we won't talk about that yeah we won't but matt where can we find you online and where can people sample that lovely music and also buy those lovely books of yours that I also need to read and get going on. Yeah, there's a Sundance Crow is the website, www.sundancecrow.com. And then I'm on Twitter at Matt Hayward, I-R-E. I-R-E. And is that it? Do you have any other shops, record labels, music outlets, anything like that? Anywhere? Um, There's links to it all through the website. Okay, so you just want that as the one portal. Keeps it simple, yeah. Excellent stuff. Matt, thank you very much for coming on on this lovely evening of the anniversary of the show. Thank you. And thanks for having me, man. Excellent stuff. Well, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure, and I definitely have to make it down to that book club. It's going out here now, live to the world, so you have to hold me accountable for that. Yep, no problem. (laughs) And that was my chat with Matt. Hayward very interesting guy there's a lot more there I'm definitely going to have to take him up on the book club and after applying with a few points get a little bit more out of him but all the links for Matt will be in the show notes and for me I am always at the fear merchant on twitter thefearmerchant at gmail.com for any comments and suggestions and for everyone else be safe be merry and have a happy holidays for yourself i will see you just after christmas for the next episode have a good one